This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's time to decide. Are you in or are you out? All right, let's do it. Before we get back to the phone calls, if you're on hold, stay there. 800-919-3776. Still a ton of football to discuss. We'll get into baseball. But it's a segment we like to do called In or Out. Our producers will throw some statements at me, and I will do just that. Tell them whether I'm in or out on said statement. Producers, take it away. So I'm going to go first here, and my first in or out is Nikola Jokic to win MVP but not make it to the finals. Ooh, I like this. I am in on this. So last year, the media is not going to admit it, but it disqualified it disqualified Jokic for winning the MVP just because they saw him win back-to-back and get bounced in the playoffs early. So they said, you're undeserving. Even though it's a regular season award, we do need to see you couple that with some playoff success before we can give you another MVP. You're not going to be the first guy since Larry Bird in the 80s to win three straight MVPs when your team's doing nothing in the finals. But now he does have that championship underneath his belt. Now he has solidified himself as the best player in basketball, though some would still say it's Giannis. So I'm in on Jokic winning the MVP, uh, but I'm out on them getting back to the finals, which means I'm, I'm in on your statement, because I think the Lakers are the best team in the Western Conference, and I know that sounds biased, but with LeBron and AD healthy, and with the additions that they've made with Gabe Vincent, with Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, I just feel like this team is is very capable of getting to the finals, and right now, if I had to pick, I'd go Lakers-Celtics in the finals, so I'm in on that. Next. Okay, uh, Tyrod Taylor to score two Dutch touchdowns against the Commanders tomorrow. Commanders defense, their front, I, their defensive line is good, which should give the Giants some issues because their offensive line was bad, healthy, and now that it's dealing with all these injuries, it's just like pathetic and putrid. But two touchdowns, I'm out on that because the Giant offense, I think they will finally score some off- offensive touchdowns tomorrow. But it's going to be courtesy of Saquon Barkley. Maybe Tyrod will give you one. I do think it'll get interesting if he scores two touchdowns because then that'll give more life to this conversation about does he give you a better chance to win? Maybe even when Jones comes back, he should remain the quarterback. That'll be that'll make for more interesting and fascinating, you know, radio commentary. But I'm out on that just because when the Giants score touchdowns tomorrow, if they are to get two from a player, I think it'll be Saquon Barkley next. Next one here is a Diamondbacks to win the National League. I'm out on that. I still think Philly is the best team right now uh, in this series. They blew one yesterday. Uh, you're up 5-2 late in that game. You've got a chance to lock it down and go up 3-1 in the series. And some fi- somehow Craig Kimbrough finds himself in all-too-familiar territory, blowing a game giving up a two-run shot a day after he gave up a walk-off hit. And we've known that this was has been, you know, his reputation, blowing big games. And actually watching that, I thought about in 2018 when he was the, the closer for the Red Sox and the Yankees are going up against the Red Sox in the playoffs. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to blow it. He's going to blow it. You have all the confidence in the world when you're the opposing team or you're the opposing fan base that this guy's going to blow it. And that's what he did yesterday. Uh, but I still think Philly's the best team. 
Rob Thompson's done a hell of a job with that with that club, getting them to the World Series last year after they were under 500 at the you know halfway through the season, and two wins away from getting back there this time around. That game's about the you know first pitch underway. Uh, Schwarber's been on fire. Bryce Harper. Every time I see him hit a home run, I think about how Brian Cashman should just be fired over and over again. Uh, but yeah, I'm out on the Diamondbacks getting to the World Series just because I think the Phillies are still going to win this series. Next, uh, Emmanuel quickly signing his contract extension in or out uh, with the Knicks, like before the season. Yeah, uh, I'm in on it happening at some point. I don't think it will be before the season, but I do think the Knicks will somehow lock him up. Unless, unless here, here's the kicker, here's the caveat. Joel Embiid ass out, and now you can put together a fruitful package to send to Daryl Morey. Because Morey, once you lose Embiid, has to go into a rebuild. So now you're just looking for young assets and a ton of first-round picks, which the Knicks have both of. So that's your Emmanuel Quickly, that's your R.J. Barrett, that's your Mitchell Robinson, that's three first-round picks, and then maybe another filler and you can make that happen. So I'm in on him signing the extension with the Knicks, but out with the caveat of if Embiid does one out of Philly and he says the Knicks, that's the team he wants to go to, then they will part with him and he'll go to he'll go to Philadelphia next. Well, that kind of leads into my last one, which is Joel Embiid will be traded or eventually will end up with the Knicks. I'm in on this. I don't know that it'll be the Knicks. Termini made a great point. Utah's got a ton of assets. And the fact that he's under contract, let's look at Joel Embiid's contract because you can dictate where you want to go. And re- recent history for you know told us that players, when they say they want to go somewhere, they end up there, except for Dame Lillard. He said he wanted to go to Miami, and he ended up in Milwaukee. Now, it turns out that that's probably a better basketball situation for him. But we have now seen... You know, a, a break in that dam of a, a player saying he wants to go somewhere and not necessarily getting there. So Joel Embiid right now has got uh, has two years, not including this year, but the next two years of his contract are are still guaranteed. He's locked into. He's got a player option in 26-27. Then he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 27. So uh, Maury's going to have some leverage here just because the the team acquiring him doesn't have to worry about him immediately leaving and bolting in free agency since he's still under contract for a couple years. But I'm in on him being traded. That's not going to work. Uh, they're, they're not going to get anything from James Harden. Embiid's coming off of an MVP. What is he, 27 now? Oh, he's 29. Uh, the time's ticking on the prime of his career. Where he knows he has to get a championship. By the way, fun stat, he's the first MVP ever to not make it out the second round. So at some point he's gonna to want to change and 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 that's that that change has to happen just because he's not gonna win with the Sixers. So I'm in on that being something that happens. He is going to go on out. And if you're a Knicks fan, you should hope for it. I understand the injuries are a concern, but this is still this is still one of the five, six, seven best players in basketball. You got a chance to add him to your team. You sign up for that. That's in or out. Appreciate Chantel. Appreciate Julian. Great job as always. 800-919-3776. Let's go to New Jersey and talk to Steve. What's up, Steve? Hey, Ty. How you doing, buddy? Doing a great job. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, I I agree with you on one thing. I disagree with you on another. Let's hear it. 
stick with stick with you, Daniel Jones. I agree with you. As far as Brian Dable bringing in another quarterback, and I'm going to go past and present. Giants, two Super Bowl victories, one against an undefeated team. Why did they win those games? Because Tom Brady was getting thrown around like a rag doll. Yep. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Let's go present. Patrick Mahomes. So you're talking two of the greatest that ever did it. Yep. He lost a Super Bowl. 2020. Why? Yeah. He was, the running, off, the he offensive, was running for his Yeah, the offensive right. he was line was a mess. Life, they the were dealing with game. injuries. Yeah, but I, I get it. Right. So, you, so where do you I, – listen, and, and you're not the only one. Every saw going to bring in Khalib, Willie, the guy from uh, Southern Cal. What the hell – what is he going to do? It's the coaching. Bad drafts. Bust in the draft. They put the team together. They haven't had a good offensive line since 2012. They squandered seven years of Eli Manning's career, the last years of his career. Correct. It hasn't changed. They're coaching. These guys can't do anything right. And they chose the players. They put the team together. And with all the mistakes, we're in what, week six, seven, whatever it is, they haven't made any corrections. It's a disaster. So you bring in, another, you bring in a stud quarterback, say he's better than Daniel Jones, and I'm going to hang up and hear your response. Do you really think Brian Dable should do a little less eating and a little more coaching? <laughs> oh man, we do. It's going to be is going to be able to figure this out. Wait, we take we taking shots at the guy's weight just because listen, the team won the fight? Listen, forget about last year. That was fool's gold. He's fool's gold. Look at the team. Look at the team they put together, and look at the way they're playing. You know the way way the team is playing goes back to the coaching. You're a smart guy. You know that. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's not Daniel Jones is not the problem. The O-line is at, like, Pop Warner level, if that. I think a Bergen, I think Bergen Catholic out of Jersey can beat that as a better O-line. Well, Steve, here's the so thing. Check out- I appreciate the call. Yeah. I appreciate the call. Uh, and I understand the frustration. You sound like a measured but angry Giants fan. You want to blame Brian Dable. Sure. What I will say about that is this. If it's all if it's like you said, and it's on the the lack of building an offensive line that spans now multiple regimes, that's not a Brian Dable problem. That's a front office issue and that is on Joe Shane to correct the mess that was created by his predecessor and Dave Gutterman, which you give him time to do. I, I'm not gonna disagree with now looking at, at last season through the lens of maybe it was a fluke, it was an aberration because I, I, I threw the stat out there that they started 6-1. and one. Since then, they've gone 5-13. and 13. Since then, they have to some degree been exposed that once the competition increases, once they're going up against superior talent, this team not only is losing football games, but last week notwithstanding is not competitive. So I get that it now is going to cause you to impugn the greatness that, you know, was Brian Dable. It's going to cause you to impugn the vision of Joe Shane because this is like a shock to the system. To be this bad, to be 1-5, and and yes, you were competitive against Buffalo, but prior to that, you had been getting embarrassed by your competition. We saw you in a playoff game just get hosed by the Eagles. You're nowhere close to that. Then we come into this season and we're thinking, okay, even if you do take a step back record-wise, you've closed the gap. Then the Cowboys, 40 to nothing. San Francisco embarrassed you. I mean, come on now. The one wins against Arizona. Seattle didn't look like you belong on the same field as them. 
Buffalo, yes, you were competitive. And especially if you lose this damn game tomorrow against a team that you have owned historically. Six of your la- six of your nine wins, you have nine wins in the NFC East in the last five seasons. Six of those wins have come against Washington. So if you lose this game, then it's all on the table. Then we're trying to blow this thing up. I'm not saying fire your head coach, fire your GM. I won't go as far as the caller did, Steve. But you would understand this, This you know, we we have a, a some type of, you know, come to Jesus moment where we're like, all right, what the hell is going on here? All of that said, though, the reason why I, I, I bring up getting the quarterback is because you're now getting to a point with Daniel Jones. After five years, man, we're still asking the same question. Can he be the guy? And in asking that question, we're actually getting the answer. And now it's not to suggest that everything wrong with the Giants falls on Daniel Jones. That's lazy. It's something we like to do with quarterbacks. When they win, they're the greatest thing ever. When they lose, they stink. That's lazy. When you watch the Giants, you don't look at them and say, you know what, Daniel Jones, get him out of here. This team, instead of being 1-5, and five, will be contending for a Super Bowl. No, it's not that drastic. It's not that dramatic. And that's inaccurate. But what you can say is, first of all, he's hurt again. Right? Like last year, cut down on the turnovers, played in all the games that counted. This year, he's hurt again. This year, he's turning the ball over again. The offensive line is a mess. I get it. The receivers and the core hasn't been what you expected. Maybe there's some coaching deficiencies happening, you know, on the sidelines. So it's not all perfect. But if we are so bad that we have a chance to draft his replacement and we can now reset and allow a guy in Brian Dable who did help groom Josh Allen, and sometimes we go a little bit too far in the amount of credit we give Dable for the Josh Allen stuff, because Josh Allen was awesome coming out of college. Now, he looked raw in his rookie season. Hey, yo, he looked he looked like he, you know, he, was, he was overwhelmed. He's turning the ball over at a very low completion percentage, so he deserves a lot of credit for turning that guy around. And you would like to see... Um, you would like to see him have that type of an impact on his own quarterback, where him and Shane aren't just being given a guy who is here already. They can go out there, they can scout, do their due diligence, bring the guy in that they want, and now you can reset the clock, which allows you time to build up this offensive line, which will allow, which allows you time to see this thing through and get you closer to where you want to be, and you're not stuck with, a guy in Daniel Jones who, let's be honest, the Giants, when they gave him that contract, showed you they were not all in on him. They still had some question marks. Because if that weren't the case, how are they able to get out of this contract after next season? It's not a, some long-term marriage. They told you all you needed to know. That's all I'm saying. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls and we return right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Up until yesterday, Altuve once again hits a clutch home run, three-run shot in the ninth to give the Astros the lead and then the victory. So they've won three straight. Uh, So Texas goes from being up 2-0 in that series 
feeling pretty good. So now they're on the brink of elimination. The Astros one win away from their fifth World Series appearance in the last seven years, which is just outstanding. I will say this about Houston. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I detest that organization. I detest that team. There is no denying the greatness that that is the Houston Astros. I mean, they lose Correa. They lose Springer. They lost Verlander for half the season. Which, by the way, Verlander, is there a bigger winner than him? He left the Mets, who were the biggest disappointment, arguably, in in team sports history, and now is back with Houston on the cusp of winning another championship. Worked out pretty well for Verlander, but they they lose all. They lost Garrett Cole. Uh, <laughs> these guys just find ways to 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 have talent at their disposal, bring them up, and they're impactful. They find ways to replenish the talent on this team, and every single year they're in the Final Four. They're in the championship series, which they've done seven straight seasons. And now it looks like they, they might go back to the World Series. On Houston, though, the, the, the pain that I felt isn't as strong as what it once was. Them winning last year <sighs> unleashed a little bit of it for me because I, I kept gravitating toward, well, they don't beat the Yankees if they don't cheat. And now I'm looking forward to watching the Nationals, who in, in 19 beat them in the World Series. And then the Braves in 21 beat them in the World Series. I'm holding out hope that if this team doesn't win another championship, it won't legitimize their greatness. It won't legitimize their excellence. So now I'm locked in and becoming diehard fans of every team playing the Astros. But now that they've won it last year, and they've legitimized everything that they've done. It's not going to erase the cheating. I still think this title should be taken away in 2017. But you got to, I guess, tip your hat to them. And I, I'm not as locked in with every pitch with the Houston Astros in big games as I once was because they did already what I didn't want them to do. And now it looks like and I still hurt, it still stings, I still root against them, but it's not as passionate as it once was. And they'll play that game five tomorrow. Philly's up 2 nothing. That heads to the bottom of the first in Arizona. Let's go to Scott in Rockland, 800-919-3776. What's up, Scott? How you doing, Ty? Listen, I appreciate you taking my call. I love your show. Thanks, man. Um, but I got to disagree with you on this Daniel Jones thing. Okay, let's hear um, it. We could have, like, any quarterback. You know, we could draft Caleb Jones, Williams. Um, but, you know, the problem is our offensive line, right? If we don't draft high in our line, we're, we're going to have the same issue going forward. So, you know, I think it's really important that we really focus on drafting linemen. And, you know, I think Daniel Jones has the tools. I mean, you saw him in the Arizona game when he had time. You know, we saw him last year in the playoffs when he had time. So, I, I think it makes a big difference. You know, all these all these really good quarterbacks have really strong offensive Listen, linemen. first of all, Scott, you know, I, no, Scott, what you're saying makes sense. But if you are in position to draft Caleb Williams, who many mm-hmm. people are saying is the you know the best prospect since Andrew Luck, you're taking Daniel Jones over that guy. Yeah, if we don't correct our line problem. No, but those th- but those things aren't mutually exclusive, Scott. Like you have to like if you believe. And you sound like you, you sound like a, a smart Giants fan. If you believe that Daniel Jones can get better, it means that you have confidence that the Giants at some point will 
you know, improve this offensive line. So if you think that that can happen, you take Caleb Williams, you improve the offensive line, and now you've got one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in quite some time and a real future, as opposed to holding on to hope that a guy in now year six, who we still have question marks about, is going to make that that ultimate leap that gets you into contention. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I think he has the tools. Again, if, if we don't have linemen, it's, it's not going to make a difference, to be honest. But you're, but you're hoping no, I, that they, they can they go out there and improve their line, aren't you? Yeah, but I mean, if they don't have a high draft pick to improve their linemen, you know what? Do you, you know, if you if you're using your draft pick on a quarterback, you, you don't know, need a high draft. Scott, come on, you've watched football, and I appreciate the call. I got to run. I got a yeah. guest coming up, but you you don't need a high draft pick to to get great players. Now, of course, it's ideal to be in the situation to you know to maximize the potential and the capital of the high pick. Absolutely, but if you're telling me. Now, I don't think the Giants are going to be the worst team in football to get the number one overall pick, but if that happens and you've got Caleb Williams sitting there, you're not taking him because you think Daniel Jones still has the tools? That's asinine, my friend. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to the phone calls, but good friend of the program, Ariel Epstein, sports betting expert, is going to join the show. We'll have some Week 7 plays. Maybe we'll get some NBA Futures bets with her. She's coming up next right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to back to the phone lines and bring in our second guest of the evening. Ariel Epstein does an excellent job as a sports betting host and analyst for Point Bet USA, MLB Network, NBA TV. Or NBA TV. And she joined us on the show. What's up, Ariel? How you doing? What's up, Ty? Long time no see. Long time no see. You're in Baltimore getting ready for this uh, big Lions game tomorrow? Well, it's a big Ravens game here in Baltimore, Ty. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Ravens. So let's start there. Take fandom aside. It's a big game because the Lions, as we know, there were high expectations on them. You know, it's to start the season. They get that, that win opening night against the Chiefs. The only game they've lost was overtime to the Seahawks. Meanwhile, you have Baltimore. I, fans out there could be feeling like they should be 6-0. They lost that overtime game against Gardner Minshew and the Colts and then that Steelers game a couple weeks ago that they should have won. Uh, so what's, what's your early feel on this game? Yeah, I know people are going to say that I'm a homer. I actually thought I liked the Lions early this week, and then I changed my mind to the Ravens just based on health and the way that the Lions have been moving in the Ravens' favor while everyone's been in here talking about Detroit. The Ravens have not performed up to – they're standard, and I watch every game so intently. It's just been bad mistake after bad mistake. But the Ravens are getting healthier on both sides of the ball. We haven't seen the big Mark Andrews game yet, the Ravens' tight end, and that's going to change this week. The Lions' defense is allowed the fourth most yards per game to tight end. Detroit lost their cornerback, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, to the IR with a torn pass. It's a huge loss for the Lions' secondary, especially in the slot. So I'm going to lay it with the better defense at home. Give me the Ravens. And also, Lamar Jackson, how about this, 15-1 and in his career against NFC opponents. That lone loss came to the Giants last week. Uh, I, I've seen uh, this stat thrown around as well, that you know the, the Lions have yet to be held on the 350 yards. So are you expecting a high-scoring game, a low-scoring game, any, any play on the uh, over-under, or are you staying away? I've seen this total dropping a bit. Um, I'm staying away because the only way I like to bet unders on the Ravens is when they play the AFC North. 
It wouldn't surprise me if you saw this game be lower scoring because both the Ravens and the Lions defenses have been good this year, and they struggle more. Um, the Lions have been good at limiting the run game, not so much the pass, but the Ravens' pass game has been struggling too. And the Ravens, for some reason, just don't like to score touchdowns. They just rely on field goals all game, which is why they've been losing some of these close games. Um, so with the way that the Ravens have been in the red zone and with the way the Ravens' defense has been playing, I think that they could stop this Lions' offense, especially because the Lions' offense is a bit banged up and the Ravens can make them one-dimensional for Scott to throw. And the Ravens' secondary has gotten healthier. So I would lean to the under but I think the best way to bet unders would be when the Ravens play the AFC North. All right, let's go to Foxborough. New England actually opened as an eight-and-a-half-point home dog, uh, and at, they hadn't been home underdogs of at least eight-and-a-half points since you know Brady's first career start back on September 30, 2001. That line has crept down to seven-and-a-half. Josh Allen, six-and-one in his last seven starts against New England in the playoffs. Uh, they're coming off of a, a nail-binding win against the Giants at home, or a game they probably should have lost if a, a DPI was called. But this could be a get-right game for the Bills. But that number seven and a half, I don't know how I feel about it. What, what do you say? Yeah, that's why you're having that weird feeling about them because that line is super fishy. You're seeing about 70 to 80% of public action coming in on the Bills, and yet the line has moved. I saw it even at nine, Ty. And now that line is Patriots seven and a half. Why is the line moving in favor of a team that's averaging some of the least points, They're averaging 12 points per game, the second lowest in football behind the Giants, and yet the Bills have the line moving against them? So that, to me, is what I call a fishy line. It's reverse line movement. The Bills have had some injuries, especially to their secondary, losing some of their best corners. And I think that the Patriots may be able to take advantage and expose a divisional opponent at home. The Patriots' defense is still good enough to limit the Buffalo offense. So maybe we see this game be closer than you think. Um, but if I'm anybody, whenever I see reverse line movement to this extent, going from a nine to a seven and a half in favor of a home dog against a tough divisional opponent, I'm going to start to send off the sirens and say, okay, either take the points with the Patriots or just stay away from the Bills. Yeah, Tredavious White and Matt Milano, two uh, big injuries for that Bills defense. How about Sunday night football? This is juicy. This is the best game on the slate. And we'll see you tomorrow night with the Miami Dolphins in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, a pair of 5-1 and one teams. Uh, Eagles obviously coming off of that heartbreaking loss to my New York Jets. Meanwhile, the Dolphins uh, did win last week after spotting the Panthers 14 points. This is actually the first NFL meeting between Tua and Jalen Hurts who were teammates at Alabama. And remember, Hurts was benched at halftime in favor of Tua. Uh, and so this is going to be the first time they meet up. That's a fun narrative to follow. These are two of the best offenses in football, two of the best teams in the league, of course. How do you feel about this game? I love for this game to be close. I'm going to take the points with the Dolphins on the road. You mentioned the two of them, the quarterbacks that played for Alabama together. You're going to, you know that those two quarterbacks are going to be dueling it out and putting their bodies on the line just to prove, hey, who's the better quarterback that came out of Alabama? There's, I think, like 12 players from Alabama in this game, too, which is wild. So the Dolphins, they're the best offense in football. They, they're getting a banged-up Eagles secondary with multiple safeties and corners with injury designations. Wide receivers, Tariq Hill, Jalen Waddell, the Dolphins can take advantage. They can outscore this Eagles team. I know that people are going to say the Dolphins haven't played anybody yet, I hate that because the Dolphins, they're just going to have to play who their schedule is. Like, there's no, oh, we wanted to talk for schedules. This isn't college football. 
the Dolphins just got who's on their schedule. They have beaten these teams handily. Now the Eagles. I don't think that the Eagles are as good of a football team as they're getting the credit for. Um, and what they had to go to overtime against the team below 500. Uh, I just I like Miami here. I think their offense is better, and Miami can uh, Miami's the healthier team. Talking to Ariel Epstein on the Ty Butler show. All right, so let's go to Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins in primetime. Uh oh. Uh, but reports today from Schefter uh, <laughs> on the front of the Niners says Christian McCaffrey is questionable Monday night. He's got an oblique injury. Uh, Trent Williams, the best tackle in football, doubtful uh, with an ankle injury. And then Debo Samuel is going to miss some games uh, at Minnesota this weekend. And then against the Bengals, he's got a hairline fracture uh, in his shoulder. So a ton of injuries. Niners coming off of a heartbreaking loss with that field goal. Brock Purdy getting them into field goal range against a Vikings team that's 2-4, and four, still with some life. Uh, how do you feel about this game? I'm going to take the points with the Vikings. It's going to be scary. Every time that you take the Vikings, you know that you're in for a roller coaster of a night. But the Vikings have kept games within a touchdown against teams like the Chiefs and the Eagles. You mentioned the two key playmakers for the Niners, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. They are probably either out or not. Well, I know Debo's out. McCaffrey, we don't know yet. And you mentioned Trent Williams. That's huge for a loss for the 49ers. The last week, without even Trent Williams, when he got hurt, you saw that 49ers quarterback, Brock Purdy, was under so much pressure. It's going to be worse against the Vikings, who blitz more than anybody in the league. We've known this since last year with Purdy under center. Purdy's really good when he's up clean. When you get Purdy on the ground and you start hitting him, that's when he starts to really struggle. He can't handle that pressure well. He's been able to stay upright for so long because Trent Williams and because you also have – um, you didn't really face that many tough defenses up front last year at the end of the season. And he wasn't getting blitzed as much. He wasn't getting pressured as much. And once you start applying that pressure on Purdy, that's when he starts to get a little messy. So if the Niners are going to be banged up on the road, I'm going to take the points with the Vikings. And, you know, before we get to your prop uh, prop bets, I know you, you're the, the prop queen that 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 Washington, so you know, local audience caring about the Washington Commanders, New York Giants at MetLife Stadium, Commanders favored by three points. Uh, this feels like a stay away game, right? Like I I just don't know how to get a good. I don't think Washington's very good. They've beaten some bad teams. You know the Giants stink, but somehow the Commanders are favored on the road by three points. Is this like a stay away for you? Yeah, divisional opponent, seeing the line move uh, in favor of Washington is obvious because if the Giants are going to be without their quarterback, Daniel Jones, that makes sense. I just don't trust either of these teams, and I definitely don't trust the Washington offense. The way that Washington can take advantage in this game is Brian Robinson. Now, I don't like laying points on the road with a divisional opponent, but the commanders have a really good opportunity because Brian Robinson is up against the Giants' defense that's allowing the third most rushing yards per game for running back. They're averaging just under 133 rushing yards a game, the position. We're talking, I mean, the uh, the Austin game, 11 carries for 151 yards. We're talking, Jim, uh, we're talking Connor, 23 carries, 160 yards against this Giants team. So Brian Robinson can not only rush for over his prop of probably 65 and a half, he can control the clock with Washington instead of making Sam Howell have to throw against the Giants defense that's been much better against the pass. I would say Washington has the better chance of holding on to the football, and that's why they could win this game. 
I just don't trust Washington as a road favorite. There is no, there's nothing Washington has shown to me that has made them credible for a road for being a road favorite. So maybe you go to the under there because the Giants' offense may not be able to score because Washington has a decent uh, defense, uh, decent defense. But Washington offensively, I don't trust them to score either. And again, if you run the football, you run the clock. Go with the under for this game. All right, prop queen, what you got? All right, so starting for this week, um, one of my favorite props is the over one-and-a-half passing touchdowns for Tua Tungavailoa in the Sunday Night Football game. Tua has had at least two passing touchdowns in four of six games this season. Philly has allowed the fourth most passing touchdowns this year at about 1.8, which is very high for being a good football team. So I would ride that one. Then I've got two different props, and I think it's the 4 o'clock game. It's the Arizona game, um, and one's an over, one's an under for the running back. So I'm going to start with the uh, – let me see. Hold on. I had Arizona's running back, Keontae Ingram, under 40.5 rushing yards. Seattle's been really good against the run this year, and they haven't allowed for uh, anyone except Montgomery to have over this number. Um, or excuse me, the first two weeks of the year they did, and then the last three weeks no one has gone under. Uh, no one has gone over 40 and a half. Kenneth Walker over 70, 70 and a half rushing yards. Arizona allowing the fifth most rushing yards per game to running back. They lost their two free agent signings from the offseason, LJ Collier and Carlos Watkins to the IR. Walker now goes up against the banged up defensive front, and running backs have gone over 70 rushing yards against Arizona in four straight weeks. Walker has had at least 70 rushing yards in two of his last three games. So I expect a big game from Kenneth Walker. And lastly, Denver's quarterback, Russell Wilson, take his under 220 and a half passing yards. He's going up against Green Bay. And Wilson has gone up against two other top 10 passing defenses this year. Vegas, Kansas City had under 200 passing yards in both those games. Green Bay allowing the ninth least passing yards per game. And they've got two great corners. I mean, Jair Alexander is one of the best in the league. Russell Douglas is not only great at being a disruptor, but he can pick off any quarterback. Russell Wilson's been struggling with turnovers, go with the under on his passing yards. Well, that's great stuff. Really appreciate you joining the show. we got to do this again. And uh, good luck to your team tomorrow. Are you feeling good going into Baltimore? Big game for your Ravens? A nice uh, statement win against one of the hottest teams in football? I'm feeling great about it. I like that the Ravens are home favorites, despite all of the excitement surrounding this Lions team. And the Ravens are at home feeling like they're the underdogs, despite being favored. The Ravens know that the Lions are the hot team coming in, and everyone's talking about them. So you watch the Ravens are going to be. So you're what? you're you're big time now. You watching this in like a suite? You hanging like how? Well, how does the yep. uh, the viewing experience go for you at this game tomorrow? I have to give the Ravens a ton of credit because ever since the year 2019, 2020, the Ravens reached out to me on Twitter and they said to me that they have this program where for people that are in media or just like influencers, that kind of stuff, the Ravens end up inviting you to a game each year and they give you two tickets. You get like free merch, you get all these cool things just to like help promote the Ravens. And so I've been doing that for the last few years. They got me seats um, in the lower bowl in, like, caddy corner of the end zone, uh, about 30 rows back. But we're in, like, regular seats, not a suite, but we do get some really cool merch. That's pretty cool. Enjoy, enjoy the game tomorrow. really appreciate you coming on the show, and I, I'll talk to you soon. Good, good luck with the best. I got a lot of them. I, I'm taking notes as you're talking, so I'm, I'm looking forward to these winnings tomorrow. Appreciate you.
Best of luck, Ty. I hope we, we can cash some winners. Let's do it. That's Ariel Epstein. Hit her up on Twitter, at Ariel Epstein. She does a great job for uh, Points Bet USA, MLB Network, NBA TV, basketball underway on Tuesday night. So she'll have some futures, maybe get involved with the Knicks, get involved with the Nets. She was cooking there. Knicks, 45 and a half wins is the over-under. I love that bet. Love that bet. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls as we push this thing toward 930, leading you into pregame coverage of the Rangers and the Kraken right here on 9870 ESPN.